0: It was great to see the Gonzales family's son, Eric, in the hospital yesterday and see him uh, just recuperating. It's great to keep praying for him, that God will just keep ministering to him spiritually in the family and also keep strengthening his body in this process of recovery, which is going to be a, m- a little bit of a long process. Also, then we, uh, we got to go and um, kind of celebrate. Ernest Gentile got married on the same day Ashley and um, Daniel did. So we met his new wife. Uh, what an incredible couple. Ernest has a new like, a passion uh, f- and a new like, direction in ministry uh, in um, uh, uh, New Mexico. And so it was really exciting. But just getting to talk with Ernest, here he is, 84 years old, and he has such a, such a passion for God, such a passion for the Holy Spirit and prayer. And uh, I have to say that's been so on my heart lately, just the Holy Spirit. You know, I've been talking to you about the Our Father prayer and, you know, praying, God, your kingdom come. Praying, Lord, deliver us from evil. Don't lead us into temptation. And praying, you're a good father. Lord, send us the Holy Spirit. And we really need to understand and recognize the Holy Spirit in our life because he's the unseen comforter and counselor. He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that strengthens us. He's the one that takes the word of God and makes it alive and real. Otherwise, we're just in our head. We're just trying to go through the motions. He's the one, like I shared with you last week, that when Jesus was in the garden facing the cross, he prayed, and an angel even appeared to him, and God had strengthened him in his spirit. But then, immediately, he was in agony of his mind, showing that you can be full and strengthened by God by the Holy Spirit, but you still can be affected in your mind, well in your emotions. And when Jesus felt the agony in his mind, he pressed in even more to prayer. And I want to encourage you in these dark days when we just watch a little bit of the news, we know it's bad out there. And so we need to continually walk with the wisdom and mind of God. We need to walk with the self-protection of our ability to pray and ask God to protect us. And to be able to be so strong spiritually that we, we know what God's doing and we know what He's saying through us, but we're not walking around in fear. And we're taking opportunities in our life to share Jesus Christ with other people that they might be affected and changed, just how we're being affected and changed. I have my message I wanted to clear continue in colossians this morning but before that i want to talk about something else i want to talk about the woman with the issue that word issue was a flow of blood a hemorrhage that she had going on a disease also to me it represents a condition or or something you may be carrying a cause something that's troubling you are you carrying an issue today do you need to touch jesus you need to get a hold of jesus and I want to encourage you today that God is a God who, be, who can be gotten in touch with. You can touch him. You can connect with him. You can receive from him. He cares about you, he cares about everything that you're going through. He cares about every attack that's on your mind that's trying to discredit him or discourage you or make you feel like you're alone. I'm going to be reading a number of scriptures. I don't have this on the PowerPoint, this is extra. Matthew 9, 20-22, we're going to quickly read these. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years came behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. The definition of touch, the word in the Greek is hippotoma. It means a reflex. It's also connected with another word. It means to fasten to, to set on fire, to kindle, to light to attach oneself to touch. I want to encourage you today that in in our little gathering together with Him and the time you spend in prayer in the morning, we need to grab a hold of God. We need to get in touch with God. We are in desperate times. We live with a mind, will, and emotions that is constantly distracted to this world. If this is a temporal world, we're preparing to live and to breathe through this world, but we're preparing for the next world. We need to be overcomers. We need to be victors. And it's through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit strengthening us in our new nature. If only I touch Jesus, verse 21, for she kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. There was something going on in this woman. There was something, and I believe it was a gift of God. Just like we, it says that we can't even come to Jesus, we can't even come to God unless the Holy Spirit begins to draw us. And so something began to resonate in her heart. I've got to touch Jesus. And hopefully something begins to resonate in you today. Something begins to push you past your life experience, your disappointments, and you begin to say, I've got to touch Jesus today. I need a desperate encounter with the Holy Spirit. I cannot go with what I'm going through anymore. We had this experience on Thursday. We were just kind of mellowing along, and then all of a sudden we got militant. We got strong. Maybe you've been a little scared if you had heard us today, but we got desperate in interceding for you, interceding for what God wants to do in your life, interceding for breakthroughs, interceding that you will encounter God in ways that are going to transform and change your life and keep you on His path and keep you overcoming. You are called to be overcoming people. You are called to be people who are strong in your gifts, strong in your abilities to stand in this world against everything the enemy is trying to throw at you. And believe me, he's going to throw the kitchen sink at you because he doesn't want you overcoming. He doesn't want you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus turned around, and seeing her, he said, Take courage, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was restored to health. Excuse me if I'm a little bit exuberant today. I'm not angry at you. Here's Mark's account. Mark 4, 24 through 34. I'm reading out they the Amplified. Jesus was okay with being pressed on by people. And Jesus went to J- with Jair- Jair- Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. And a great cou- crowd kept following him and pressed Jesus from all sides so that almost he, suffoc- he was suffocated by them. Okay, I don't know about you, if I was Jesus, I think I'd be thinking about myself. Uh, it's one thing to be crowd-surfed, but, but have the crowd surfing on top of you? No. No, I don't think so. I just said, disciples, get them back. Get them back. So Jesus was almost suffocated with a the crowd. There were people gathered around him. They, they wanted to hear from him. They wanted to be around him. They knew something was about, something w- was different about Jesus, and they wanted something from him. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but instead grew worse. Have you been carrying your issue a long time? Do you feel like you're growing worse? Interesting that she had gone through all that, and she had expended all the physicians of her day, but what was driving her on? Why didn't she give up? What was motivating her to go after this prophet, this teacher, this rabbi? What was she thinking? Excuse me, the doctors are the ones that have the answers. Why didn't she just give up? I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're at the point of giving up, God wants to get something else ignited inside of you where everything's exhausted. They're saying, you've been diagnosed. It's over. It's over. Your condition is the way it is. Maybe it's a relationship. It could be anything. Finances, job, it could be anything. Your issue, whatever it is. God saying, why don't you press in to me? Why don't you press in? The woman with an issue touched Jesus. Verse 27. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. The definition of a throng, a multitude, an assembly of persons, a large number, a host, crowding together of many persons, a pressing. Jesus was getting squished. But she said, if only I touch Jesus' garments, I shall be restored to health." And remember, she's saying this over and over. If only I touch his garments. And for us, it's saying, if only I can touch you, Jesus. I need to touch you, Jesus. For she kept saying, If only I touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up and the source, at the source, and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailments. Now here's another interesting point in the story. Not only did she touch Jesus, but she pulled something out of him. Some of the translations said virtue went out of Jesus. The word virtue means dunamis in the Greek. It's miraculous power. A miracle itself, ability, abundance, worker of miracles, power, strength, violence, mighty wonderful work she extracted something out of jesus by just touching the hem of his garment she pulled from jesus she received from jesus she drew from jesus how many of us need to draw on jesus how many of us need to pull from him receive from him draw that strength from him like she did Power and virtue proceeded from Jesus. Verse 30. And Jesus recognized in himself that power proceeded from him and had gone forth. He turned around immediately in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples kept saying to him, You see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides, and you ask, Who touched me? Still, he kept looking around to see her who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done for her, though alarmed and frightened, and came trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, "Your faith, your trust, and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored you to health. Go in to peace, and be continually healed and freed." from your distressing bodily disease. Now Luke's account. Luke sixteen forty-two 42-48. Jairus had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed together around him, almost suffocating him. could not be healed by anyone was this woman's diagnosis. And a woman who had suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years and had spent all her living upon physicians and could not be healed by anyone. Could not be healed. A heavy diagnosis. One proclaimed over her by her physicians and one experienced in her physical body. Talk about her mind with knowledge being assaulted, and her physical body backing up that assault? She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who is it who touched me? When all were denying it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitude surround you and press you on every side. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I perceive that healing power has gone from me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came up trembling and falling down before him, she declared, in the presence of all the people, for what reason she had touched him. And now she had been instantly how she had been instantly cured. And he said to her daughter, "Your faith, your confidence, and trust in me." Has made you well. Go. Enter in peace, untroubled, undisturbed, and well being. Her faith. What was her faith? She pressed in. She didn't take what the doctors had told her. She didn't say there's too many people around Jesus. She pressed in. How did she do it? Jesus was being suffocated by the crowd. How did she press in? What determination was in her? her faith. I think often the enemy tries to stop our faith, to stop our determination, to stop our tenaciousness of pressing into Jesus. Sometimes we just kind of roll over with circumstances, roll over with our problems and think like, well, this must be God's will. I heard one minute of T.D. Jake's the other day and he said, assault your gates. Storm your gates. Assault your gates. Assault your problem. You get turned down, you get refused, get up, Assault it again. Why? Because your faith has to accompany the works and the things of moving forward where there's something stirred inside of us where we get become tenacious. You know, we, we get said no to so much and there's been such an enablement, such a complacency in our society. We take what someone says as a no. But I tell you, God is asking us believers to not take no, but to begin to rise up and see God and keep pressing in, keep knocking on those doors, keep, keep stirring our own faith. We must have a faith that can be stirred to action. We must have a faith that is active and growing and useful and it's doing something. And if you feel like nothing's happening, just start taking a little bit more time. Okay, God, I, I got to get stirred up here. I, I have a r- real faith with you, a living God. The Holy Spirit is now living in my life. I, I want to see it moving. I want to see it active. I want it being in demonstration. I want to keep stretching it so it gets developed, and I use more and more of it. There was other people who were touched by Jesus or who touched Jesus. In Matthew 14, 35 and 36 at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent around him unto all surrounding country and brought to him all who were sick. And they begged him to, to let them merely touch the fringes of his garment And as many as touched were perfectly restored. Touched by Jesus. It's called sympatheo means sympathy with, to commiserate, have compassion, be moved with feeling. In Matthew eight, two through three, a leper came to Jesus and prostrating himself worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me by curing me. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed by being cured. And instantly his leprosy was cured and cleansed. In Luke twenty-two fifty-one, But Jesus said, Permit them to go so far as to seize me. And he touched the little insignificant ear and healed him. You know, Paul said, I no longer know, we no longer know as apostles, we no longer know Jesus after the flesh. We no longer see him in human form where we can touch him. But I tell you, there's a greater door now open to us, and it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus grabbed up his disciples and said to them right before he went to the cross, I must go to the Father. It is so important for me to go away because if I don't go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit back to be with you wherever you are with everyone who calls on my name. I cannot send the Holy Spirit unless I leave, unless my physical body does its thing and dies so that this whole spiritual window is open and heavens become open and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the earth. I cannot go away and you cannot experience life. And he grabbed them and I'm sure he held their little faces and he said, you must go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Don't do a thing. You have no power, you have no ability to do anything. Even your gospel is not with, Power, unless you go and wait, you till you'll be endued with power from on high. All of us come to Jesus Christ. We feel His love, and we tap in by receiving Jesus. And there's a measure of the Holy Spirit comes, but we've got to stretch and exercise that measure. We have to continually ask that God would fill us with His Holy Spirit. Why we need that kind of power to live in this in this society today? We need this kind of power to be have an overcoming life, to be able to get to the end of our life and say, you know what? We live well. We've, we've known God's will, we've exercised God's will, we know our spiritual gifts and we know what we're supposed to do. And I tell you having Jesus is the best of both worlds because God will fulfill you in this natural life, but he creates a, a, a continual desire in the spiritual realm where you're fulfilling a natural a spirit, a supernatural a call in your life and a sp- supernatural spiritual uh, d- destiny. I talked to Ernest yesterday in 84. He has such a on-fireness about the kingdom of God. He has such an excitement about the kingdom of God. In in one respect, he's closer to the end of his life than other. And in another respect, he's starting to enjoy life too. Here he just went through a grief and loss, but God brought him another helper, and together they're joining forces to do more in the kingdom of God, to tell more people about Jesus to tell more people that, to pray and to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to change their life. Why? Because people need the power of God. We want power in every other thing. We want more power in our cars that w- and be, get better gas li- mileage. My daughter just bought this new Ford car that has Echo Boost, which means it's four-cylinder, but it'll, it'll stretch that gas out till it burns every little cent of it. We want more power. It's going to cost us. What does it cost us? Pressing in a little bit more. seeing seeing our life and not seeing Jesus and saying, I cannot go by my circumstances. God, you have to be bigger than my circumstances. You have to be bigger than my diagnosis. You have to be bigger than my failures. You have to be bigger than my religious experiences. Some of you are coming in, and you've had so many different religions uh, shoved down your throat and an example to you, and maybe there's some good things in it, but I tell you, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. (laughs) Jesus said, there is no other name under heaven whereby you can be saved. Why? Because Jesus was sinless, and He came and died on the cross that we might be born again, and there's no other way to get saved. And I tell you in the spiritual world, because we can just see it around us, there's all kinds of different religions and philosophies, and all tell you that they all lead to God. Jesus said, "There's no other one that leads to God. No other religion, no other philosophy leads to God. Only Jesus Christ." And there's a lot of spiritual counterfeits out that they can give you little feelings, even do little things. And even in the last days, it says that the enemy is going to do even false miracles to, to dissuade and persuade people. But I tell you, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that's going to bring the revelation because it says the Holy Spirit comes to bring us into truth. That means He's going to change some of our religious experiences that haven't paid out, they haven't been real, they've caused us to stop, they've caused us to have unbelief, they've caused us actually to be offends, offended with God or offended with Jesus. And if you ever have times when you're offended with Jesus about something, that's the time to get it right. That's the time to say, God, I don't know why I'm so bothered with you, but I want to get this right. Will you, will you begin to change whatever happened where I, I got disillusioned with you? Will you begin to, to change me, God? Because if I'm not thinking you're on my side, I'm not drawing on any power. I'm not having any benefit. Oh, it's only 1.30. I want to give you this final scripture. Since we now have the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 4:15 through 16, we have the Holy Spirit. It says, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like us, just as we were, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of trouble. Just like that woman who pressed into Jesus. We don't have a physical Jesus anymore, but we have the Holy Spirit who's resident, living inside of our lives if we've asked Jesus Christ to come in. And He is there. And every time we call on Him, the Holy Spirit is working to change things. He's working to bring power, bring evidence of what He's doing. He's working to keep us on track with what He's doing. He's working to help us understand the knowledge of His will and what He wants us to do. So now the Holy Spirit is that one. When we pray, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding. We're going and getting grace. When you come to the altar and you ask people to pray, you're going before the throne of grace. You're getting a hold of God to get the grace to help you in your time of need, in the place of desperation. I want to continue on in my message, increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, Paul was writing the letter from prison to the church in Coloss. And we know that Epaphras was a convert of Paul, and he was the one going to Paul because there was problems in the church. Again, people coming out of different religions, they were getting saved, and there was confusion because they had different spiritual experiences, and they were having different conflicting messages with the gospel. And Paul was uh, helping them just be able to understand. This little note was about what was going on. Colossians bears a close resemblance to Ephesians in language and subject matter. Over 70 of the 155 verses in Ephesians contain expressions echoed in Colossians. On the other hand, Colossians has 28 words found nowhere else in Paul's writings, and 34 found nowhere else in the New Testament. So there was this power-packed letter that we are privileged and was included in the canon or the scriptures they felt like were anointed by the Holy Spirit that carried the message of the gospel for us to read were part of what was in this letter to to the church in Coloss. Gospel power. The gospel is the knowledge of God to the world. In Colossians 1, 5 through 6, are they amplified? It says this, because of the hope of experiencing what is laid up for and reserved and waiting for you in heaven, of this hope you heard in the past in the message of truth of the gospel. And again, these are the early stages of the gospel. The gospel wasn't even really written down yet, but the apostles were going and giving their personal testimony of what they saw Jesus do. And the Holy Spirit that they were filled with as ambassadors were using their spiritual gifts to get the message that there is hope in Jesus Christ, that there's life after death, that you don't all have to just wonder or be afraid of what happens, but to know in confidence that Jesus died, that we go into abundant eternal life, and a life that's with God, a life that can't even be imagined, far greater than any rich person could ever have or, or imagine or buy. It's far greater than that. And so the world was being set on fire by that gospel message, and people were coming to Christ. They were getting saved from their sins, and they were turning to the Lord. And really all they had was these little uh, times of, of, of ministers and people like Epaphras himself rising up wide. Something happened in his heart and he got on fire and he became one who was involved in church and being a pastor at a church and he was encouraging people in the message of Jesus. We, on the other hand, we have knowledge to back, back up what we believe and help us experience more and more of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we have the Word of God, but we have the Holy Spirit now making the Word of God alive to us. He goes on in verse 6, talking about the gospel. The gospel which has come to you, indeed, in the whole world, that gospel is bearing fruit and still is growing by its own inherent power, even as it has done among yourselves, even since the day you first heard and came to know and understand the grace of God in truth. So the very first time you hear, start hearing about Jesus, those seeds and the power of the Holy Spirit begins to keep start penetrating your heart now the enemy could try to steal or get your mind to think oh this is just fairy tales or whatever that's the work of the enemy trying to steal the power of the gospel message that's coming in to change your life you came he says to the church in call to know the grace or undeserved favor of god in reality okay we're all on the same page no matter how good we were me i went to church my whole life tried to be a good person i was no better off than anyone anyone else who was the worst sinner I'm a sinner just by identification of being born under Adam. The sin that Adam and Eve started brought us all under the authority of Satan. We were all sold out, dead spiritually. But now through Jesus, we all come back into that equal reality that our righteousness is what Jesus makes us by his blood, by what he did, by God wanting us to be in relationship with him. Deeply and clearly and thoroughly, becoming accurately and intimately acquainted with that. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we read it and we pray and we ask God to give us revelation. We look and examine our hearts and to see where we're at spiritually. Why? So that we can keep moving forward in our faith. We can keep taking those steps of faith to do things that are uncomfortable, but we know that's kind of what God wants us to do. And then we find another door opens and we're operating and growing in a whole n- new level of our spiritual gifts and what God's called us to do. But life becomes more exciting. The drudgery of the everyday life gets boring. That's why we always hear rich people and millionaires killing themselves off. Why? They have everything money can buy. They have every kind of thing you can get, but they're not satisfied. Our movie stars marry one person after the other. Why? They're not satisfied. They can't seem to get what's going to fit. What they need is what we got. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Colossians 1, 7 and 8 gospel grace through ministers i am here today so that you can keep growing i'm here just being a coach for you to get excited about what god has for you that you can be set on fire i told ernest i was crying when i was talking to ernest i go, ernest i go you're my spiritual father you came to san jose but you have been the most powerful man in my life to make me follow jesus to cause me to pray to cause me to seek the activity of the Holy Spirit and to know God. You're the one. You're the one that saw a call of God in my life and, and kind of funneled me into it. You put pressures on me. You put responsibilities on me. You gave me opportunities that caused me to be refined even further so that God could use me. So Paul's talking about people like Epaphras, that it's through ministers. And, and I tell you, you young people that are here today, You Smith girls, God has a call for you. God has a call for your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a little inkling. Your mama prayed over you. Your mama prayed about your spiritual life. That was the most important thing to her. And when I saw you come in today, it was just on my heart. God has something for you. God has something for you. You didn't lose your mama for nothing. God didn't necessarily want it to happen, but it happened. But I tell you, God has something for your life. Your life is to be a great example of the faith that she imparted to you. We are to encourage each other. We are to impart faith to each other. We are to encourage each other in the battle to keep following Christ. When we feel like giving up, when we feel like, oh, you know, it's not working. I don't see anything. I can remember on a Wednesday night standing up and uh, standing up in front of a church like this, uh, Ernest was teaching and saying, Ernest, I'm struggling. It's not working. He said, just keep going. It's going to work. I was so frustrated at this point in my life. I was so frustrated not understanding what God's doing. And I, I have to say, there's times we go through these wildernesses and we don't understand what God's doing. Don't give up. There was a time in my 20s I felt like, well, I did this for you know, almost 20 years of my life. Maybe it's time not to go to church anymore. <laughs> I went six months not going to church and I had to go back. My spirit was starving. There was something deep inside that God said that I could not get away with. Did I like everything that happened in my life? No. Were there things I would like to change? Yes. Are things that I don't understand now? Yes. Are there answers to prayer that I'm not seeing right now? Yes. But do I believe? Yes. There's something anchored so deep in my heart, so deep in my heart that I have to keep moving on. Why? Because he's placed eternity in our hearts. Once we ask Jesus to come in, he's placed eternity within us. We can't get away from it. It's like a mother's love. Mom, just come on, give me a break. No, you can never get away from mama's love. She's always after you. She's always wants to hug you. I see my son doesn't like to be hugged or touched, and his mom is hugging him or touching him. He's going, oh, not a touchy person. God wants to love on us. I can't tell you you're going to have the best life. You may have the worst. You might be like Paul. You know, Dory talked about Paul last night. I wouldn't want to live this life in prison, stoned, jailed, in miry, stinky stuff, not like the nice jails we have nowadays. I mean, in bad places. And he's had this joy. And he said, you know, when he was warned, you know, about, about suffering, he told the prophet, hey, get back. I'm glad I get to suffer for Jesus. What was that? It was the calling on his life. There was such a great call that the gospel be preached. There was such a great call that the gospel be written out. There was such a great call that people would understand what a local church is supposed to be about, what, what spiritual gifts are supposed to be, and, and what people are supposed to aspire to or, or give themselves to. Not just how to live out a life every day, but to add to your busyness what God wants and find out what He wants you to do. Well, time is doing wonderful today. God must be blessing the time. You might be more hungry, but the time is being blessed. Colossians 1, 7 and 8. So you learned it. Grace, God's undeserved favor from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. is a faithful minister of Christ in our stead and as our representative in yours. And also he has informed us of your love in the Holy Spirit. There are so many people in this church in the last almost 15 years that it's been in existence who have grown up and are giving out so much. There are so many people giving out so much, they're tireless, and yet I know they get tired. They continue doing their ministries and their service and extending themselves to people so that other people get a practical uh, experience of what Jesus Christ is really like and that he really is real. And when someone gives their life for you, for the gospel, it's your opportunity to grow. Like, man, I was in Ernest's church. I was around Ernest for probably over 35 years. I was actively in his church as a member for over 25 years. I felt like I was a, I've said this before, I felt like I was a fat little Christian baby. You know, just every week, he's there preaching, I'm there drinking it in, walking out, what did I get? You know, being a selfish, sometimes when you're overfed, and you're not really giving out as much, you feel like, a, like what am I? I'm i not getting anything. We get all kind of selfish spiritually. But you know what? Just staying. God has a way of, at the right time, throwing us out. Even if you're a couch potato, even if you're a little passive, if you're following God, He's going to throw you out of the boat someday. <laughs> Colossians 1.9, know God's will. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, their love in the Holy Spirit have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of His will. That is so important. I think our youth today are so clueless. Some of them have so many degrees. Even my kids had a number of degrees and were clueless about what they're supposed to be doing. One way you can know God's will is by asking, by seeking the knowledge of God by growing spiritually because the wisdom of God will come because the knowledge of God will come to you about what you're supposed to do. Yeah, God cares about your natural life. He cares about your what kind of job, what kind of career you're going to have. But He's also going to work through your bent and your creativity and who He's designed you to be to be the spiritual man or woman that you're called to be. And then also that you would know all spiritual wisdom in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God And in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. I knew when me me and Dory, God put us together, we knew from the moment we met at Juvenile Hall, we knew we were going to get married. We knew God began to unfold a deep understanding that we were called for a spiritual purpose. We were called as a couple to to, to minister, to go into full time. We didn't know how it was going to happen, but God did it. And I think that's what all of us need. Paul is saying, this is the prayer he's praying, that you will all know... And, you know, don't think you've missed it. Some of you may have known your call or walked away from your call or ignored your call. Don't think it's too late. I always think about the potter on the wheel. You may have got off track, but God is remolding. God has a plan for you. God can resurrect that call. God can resurrect that place where you may have walked away or you've been scared of. God, he, he, time, he, time doesn't mean anything to him. He's outside of time. God can restore and use you. God can use the gifts that he put inside of you and you can have great understanding of what your life is supposed to be about. Give you wisdom and spiritual insight to the ways and purposes of God and an understanding and discernment of spiritual things. You know, it doesn't matter a hoot what we know in this natural world. I know we have to know a lot of things for our jobs and things, but there's something, in, there's a spirit of this age, it, and it really is, comes from Satan and what he offered Eve have the knowledge of good and evil to be like god and yet man with all his knowledge apart from god he can't do anything he thinks he can keep the environment all protected he thinks he can save all the fish in the sea the bible says everything is degenerating to a place when jesus is going to come back and make everything new what we need is that spiritual knowledge of god and how to live for god how to do what god wants that's the important knowledge what does it profit if we profit us if we could be even great educators or maybe we, we have great degrees and we're you know we're teaching at a university. Now if God's calling you to that, that's awesome. But if apart from God we're filling our head with knowledge, but we don't have any spiritual knowledge, we're not growing, we're not growing in our relationship with Christ, we're not growing in understanding why we're called and what we're supposed to do, the knowledge is gonna pass away. Because once you die, this world is done. It doesn't matter anymore. But if you're a believer and you're seeking the spiritual wisdom of God you're seeking the knowledge of God, all into eternity, what you've done here is, is going to benefit in heaven. I don't know how it all works, but even how you've persevered, God is going to use you in the eternities. I guess the worship team could kind of come up. I think that's why it's so important. Jesus told us to keep praying. Pray daily. Jesus was praying in Luke 11, 1 and 2 in a certain place. And when he had stopped, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as you, John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, held holy and revered on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know, how, I don't know if you pray like, like that, I think sometimes it's hard to pray, God, let your will be done. We have such a strong will. Again, we're so connected in this life and desires. The news, the new products are constantly enticing us to want something else. But God is saying, when you pray every day, say, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. What's that going to do? That's going to redirect your priorities. It's going to redirect maybe even where you put your money. And when you... Feed into God and you're following him your life is gonna it's gonna it's gonna be effective it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be very rewarding you may not always feel comfortable but you'll know God in a deeper way will you stand with me maybe today you need prayer maybe today you need to press in about something and you want someone to agree and pray with you this morning people will pray with you if you need to accept Christ Just let someone who's praying for you know, I want to accept Jesus today. I want to know what it is to be born again and be spiritually alive to God.